Welcome to Live Well Anyway. I'm your host, Mackenzie Coppa. On this podcast, we journey together in learning how to feel healthy, look good, and plan lives we actually like in the midst of all the everyday chaos. I'm so glad you're here. And today, I am so delighted to have on the show Audrey Elledge and Elizabeth Moore. They just came out with their second book that they wrote together called Liturgies for Wholeness. I am really loving this book. It's so simple, but also beautiful. It has all of these prayers woven throughout for you to use in all kinds of different situations in your life. It was really fun to dive in with Elizabeth and Audrey into how they put this together, how they work together as a team, what all the behind the scenes are of putting together a book like this, why they did it. It was just a really fun conversation with two lovely ladies who also happen to live in New York City, which is very exciting for me if you know anything about my hopes and dreams for the future and what my children are possibly doing in the future. It was really fun to talk to two ladies who live in the thick of it in NYC. So all of that is coming in this episode, but before we get there, I have a few fun new things coming down the pipeline in the coming weeks. And if you want to be one of the first people to hear about them and not miss out on anything, then you're going to want to make sure that you are subscribed to my email newsletter. So you can find that by going to mckenziecoppa.com slash news. And that's where you can just quickly put your email address in there and you will get my weekly email newsletter that is going to tell you about all the things that have been coming out on the podcast and on other platforms. Hint, hint. And make sure you just don't miss out on any of the fun. So again, you can find that over at mckenziecoppa.com slash news. But without further ado, let's dive into this episode with Audrey Elledge and Elizabeth Moore. Welcome, ladies. I'm so excited to have you here today. Hi, Kenzie. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I, as soon as, like, I get all the emails, you know, about, I would say maybe six months in advance of the books that are coming out, and I get to kind of handpick, and this is a topic that I've seen coming up more and more, this whole Mm -hmm. liturgical idea. I had another author on earlier in the fall, but it was more like family-centered, but it's something that's intrigued me for a really long time. And so anytime that I see a book like this kind of like come across the screen, I'm like, "Mm, yeah, I would like to have a bigger conversation about this. So Mm -hmm. I'm so excited to be diving into your brand new book, Liturgies for Wholeness, today. But before we get started, would you guys like to introduce yourselves? Sure. Um, my name is Elizabeth, um, and I'm one of the co-authors of Liturgies for Wholeness. Um, and my co-author, Audrey, who will introduce herself in a moment, we authored Liturgies for Hope about a year and a half ago. Um, and Liturgies for Wholeness is our second liturgy book. Um, but yeah, I live in New York City, um, but I'm from the South, originally from Louisiana. Was born and raised there, um, lived in Mississippi and Texas for a few years, and then moved to New York about five years ago. Um, and writing is my side thing that I love to do. It's a passion and a joy, um, but I work full-time in advertising for ad age. Um, and yeah, I think that about covers it. Okay. For now. Yeah. Well, I could, I could dive into a whole thing with you over the whole New York thing, which oh, we'll probably sure. come to because my son is probably going to be headed there for college. So oh, I will. Yeah, I will New York. Yeah having to pick your brain about that. But Audrey, (laughs) would you like to introduce yourself first? Yes, we love New York. Um, So I'm Audrey, Elizabeth's co-author and friend, friend first. And friend. Um, Friend first. (laughs) Just adding that label. Um, And I also live in New York City. I've lived here for almost seven years, which is wild because I'm from Texas. And when you're from Texas, you don't really leave. So (laughs) I'm the one who left. Um, and by day I work at Sparknotes as an editor and by night I write with Elizabeth and with friends and by myself. So writing and editing, really love working with words. It's kind of my whole life. And I just got married one month ago. So thank you. Thank you. Yes. Gotta, gotta make sure Carlos always gets a shout out now. So yeah, for sure. So by day you do short form and then by night you get to write long exactly. form. Yeah. Yes. That's, so that's a great way to think of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had no idea that you were both in New York. Like I could just turn this whole podcast into a New York podcast, which we probably shouldn't <laughs> do, but I'm sort of obsessed with it right we're now. Down. Yeah, so, we're down. We yeah. Can rabbit what, trail. 
I mean, what brought you guys to New York? We're just going to, we're going to sit here for a second because I literally like study maps of lower Manhattan. (laughs) I love that. Okay. Well, Mackenzie, next time you're here with your son or otherwise, you got to hit us up. Well, I'm hoping Um, this summer, we're hoping to come and tour NYU this summer. So yeah, Yeah, NYU. Summer in the city, magic. Yeah. Magical. Summer is my favorite season. I moved here kind of in the summer seven years ago. And I moved to New York City because I always dreamed of it. It was yeah. really just a place that was highlighted for me because it's so different from the South or the Southwest, Texas. Yeah. Um, I always viewed it as a city of dreamers, people who were chasing big things, who were, um, yeah, just like really going for it. And so I went to grad school in Nashville, which is also the South. And had a framed picture of the Empire State Building in my bedroom. And I was like, after this, I want my first job to be in New York. And my family thought I was crazy, I think. But they were supportive. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the job I have now at SparkNotes is the job that got me here. And upon arriving, I was like, yeah, I think this is it. I don't want to leave. This is home. Yeah. So that's my story. What's yours, Elizabeth? (laughs) It's a great story. Um, mine is similar in that I was also raised in the South in Louisiana and New York was always a place that like existed in movies, but never existed as a place where people actually live. So I I literally never considered moving there. I never really actually dreamed of moving there. I was always like, that'd be cool. But like, how could I ever, I never knew anyone who lived here. Um, and then when I graduated, I was considering working in publishing. That was kind of the career trajectory that I was on and quickly learned that New York is the place to be to work in publishing. So that was what brought me to New York was working in publishing. But I always have felt more at home in larger cities and in urban environments. So um, yeah, mm-hmm. it just worked out really well. And I also love it. It feels like home. I, I love that. I totally relate to that feeling of like, oh, that's some place you see in a movie. But how does it really happen and mm-hmm. I think that thanks to YouTube, <laughs> I like I follow all these people yeah. who live in New York. And then I've had a few authors who are on from New York. And it's like, wait, no, this is totally possible. It and is. then my son is yeah. going into film. And so oh, he perfect. was like, he came to me maybe six months ago. And he was like, you know what? I think I need to be in New York. Like, yeah. I need to find mm-hmm. a school there. I need to try to make it happen there. And there's just so much... Like, because I said, like, there versus California, because obviously film is big in California. And he was like, you know what? I think I need the inspiration of the city. Like, I want all the hustle and bustle and all the things happening. And, like, I want that environment. And we followed Casey Neistat and how it, like, during the pandemic, he moved to California. And then he was Mm. like, nope, I've got to go back to New York because that's (laughs) where like the lifeblood is and like all the creativity. And yes, so it's so inspiring. Like my first year in New York, I would describe it as just filled with wonder. I feel like I would turn a corner, see a giant building or see like a gaggle of people who looked really cool and just be filled fresh with like whimsy and wonder. Yeah. I was like, this is the best. And then you settle into the city and you realize it has sure. parts. <laughs> like of course. Schlepping grocery bags, four on each yeah. arm, up five flights to your teeny tiny apartment. Those yeah. little things, but you you just have to love it to to yeah. stay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There mm-hmm. is definitely the those downsides and it being like the most expensive city in the world. That's where I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> yeah. that's that's oh, a lot. Yeah. But yep. but you get to live in New York, so exactly that's yeah makes that's it the worth payoff. it. Yeah. yeah, and we Audrey and I have friends in a lot of different artistic mediums, but film specifically. And so yeah. there's a great community of filmmakers here and film industry people. So it sounds yeah. like your son knows what he wants and he yes. knows where he needs <laughs> to be, and He's I really admire yeah. that. So yeah. I think that that sounds amazing. Yeah, I am so excited for him. I grew up in the theater and even now I'm a voice actor. And so there's always been like that creative draw and everything. So for him to say he wants to go there, I'm like, you're living all my dreams. I'm going to follow you there when your sisters (laughs) graduate from high school. We can all be in New York. So, oh, so fun. That would be amazing. I know, right? (laughs) I really feel like it is. 
Ladies, taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it should at least be simple. And that's why for the last two years, I've been drinking AG1 every day. No exceptions. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day. And it makes me feel more energized, focused. I feel like I'm getting that nourishment right from the top of my day, which makes such a difference into how I'm feeling over the course of my day. I also really notice a difference with my gut health. Things just feel like they're operating the way that they're supposed to. And knock on wood, I still have not gotten sick yet this winter. So I have really noticed the benefits of it helping to support my immune system through all of the sicknesses that my children have carried into my home. And I feel like it's made a really big difference. And I think that's because it's giving me so much. Every single serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and more, including adaptogens that I absolutely love and all kinds of other goodness that is packed into this simple little drink. And I also want to mention that not only does it have so much packed into it, but it's also of the highest quality. Every batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process, so you know it's safe. And their ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency, and nutrient density. So you are getting the biggest, healthiest bang for your buck that you possibly can. I just throw my AG1 in a glass of water every morning while I'm making my coffee. I mix it up with my little frother before I froth up my milk for my coffee. It's the perfect easy thing for me to be able to do just right off the bat. I usually take it right after I do my workout, which is pretty much first thing in the morning, and I feel like it keeps me going all day long. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1, and that's why I've partnered with them for so long. So if you wanna take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash livewell. That's drinkag1.com slash livewell. Check it out. Okay. Oh, love that. So we've <laughs> done the, the drive-by on New York, but now let's talk about liturgies for wholeness. I didn't know you had a first book, so that is very exciting. I'm going to have to go check that out now yeah. as well. But I like, okay. My history is evangelical. So there was no liturgy. In fact, I would say that liturgy is almost looked at as like bad or wrong mm-hmm. or like impersonal because mm-hmm. you're not using your own words and you're supposed to, mm-hmm. you know, speak from your heart and like mm-hmm. all of these things. But I would say maybe 10 years ago, I started to get more turned on to this idea of like, wait a minute, like sometimes I just don't have the words. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I'm depleted or I need fresh perspective or something and starting to read those older prayers and be like, wait a minute, like this is kind of fabulous. (laughs) Like they've done a beautiful job of putting these thoughts and feelings into words for me that I can just rest in. And so I think I don't know about you guys. I want to hear your history with liturgy. But Mm -hmm. also I'm wondering if you have seen sort of that resurgence of liturgy happening for a lot of millennials. I would say maybe even like Mm -hmm. the older Gen Z generation of kind of stepping back from the evangelicalness and pressing a little bit more into liturgy. Yeah. I think we have both seen that for sure. Yeah. I I was raised evangelical as well. Audrey was too. Okay. And I'll, I'll let her speak to her mm-hmm. experience. But same, like did not grow up doing liturgy. Like the only experience I had was I went to mass with some friends a couple of times and then okay. went to my grandparents' Presbyterian church. And that was a more of a liturgical service. And as a kid, I'm like, this is so boring. What is happening? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I literally hate this. Um, and so I, my introduction to it was this is a little bit legalistic and impersonal, yeah. as you said. Um, but I don't know. I, and this is my experience is that as I've developed a deeper relationship with God on my own and have grown to like know him, um, as an individual and in my community, I've found myself reaching for something that's a little bit more poetic, beautiful, Mm. maybe something more communal, like a liturgy. Um, now that I kind of have a foundation for my relationship with God, I'm like, let's add some kind of like different extra elements to this. And so that's where liturgy has come in to play, yeah. at least for me. Um, so I am drawn to the communal aspect of it and the, the, the way that it gives you words when you don't have any. And I'm also drawn to the beauty of it. And mm-hmm. Audrey and I see mm-hmm. liturgy as poetry. Um, and we've mentioned we're both words girls. Um, we're both poets and writers on the side, obviously. And so 
um, that's what really drew me in was a way to pray that that incorporated beauty and wonder mm. um, and wasn't just like words, straight words. But yeah. Audrey, what about mm-hmm. you? Yeah. Yeah. So very similar. Grew up without any contact with liturgical tradition or didn't even know what the word liturgy was. Yeah. Um, so I think it was it wasn't until I was a young adult that I started learning more about it or just hearing more about it. And it was other young people who were talking about it, not like old priests. Yeah. It was, it was young <laughs> college age, post-college. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the reason for that is because there is something refreshing about repeating words that were written centuries ago by mm-hmm. the saints or by just ordinary people who were trying their best to live out faithfully. And I think that's refreshing because it's like a reminder that faith isn't a trend that will burn out, but you can repeat mm-hmm. the same words that formed people years ago um, and they can still be relevant and draw you close to God now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also I've learned recently that liturgy isn't just in a church service, but like washing your dishes could be liturgy. It's really mm-hmm. just something you repeat and it's the way you approach it that forms you into yeah. a certain type of person. So if you approach washing your dishes with presence and you're trying to view it with maybe joy or invite God into that, then it can form you because you do it every mm-hmm. single day or laundry could be a liturgy or cooking dinner or going on a walk. Um, and so in our two books, Liturgies for Hope and Liturgies for Wholeness, Elizabeth and I define liturgy as these prayers that we have written, um, but we hope that they inspire people. We hope people don't just think like, oh, Audrey and Elizabeth, you know, they're writing liturgies, they're writing prayers. I'm going to take exactly what they've done and say this every single day before I go to bed. But instead, we hope we just are giving people words maybe when they don't have them or mm-hmm. inviting people to approach God in those areas where maybe they've never approached him before. Like we have a liturgy for feeling butterflies around someone and that's in the first book. And like, if you have a crush, you can talk to God about it. It can be something (laughs) that you pray. It doesn't have to be these old dusty topics. Um, Mm. In the book liturgies for wholeness, we have one for someone who's just received a scary diagnosis or just Mm. a normal diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Um, So when you're worried about your health or your body, you can, you can repeat some of these prayers, some of these liturgies, um, and invite God in. Yeah. There are so many things that you just said that I want to hit on. I'm going to, there's one I'm going to like put a pin in because you guys do have like some really fun and interesting topics for these liturgies (laughs) that I want to come back to. (laughs) But I, before we get there, I just kind of want to like round out the conversation on liturgy itself Mm. about how you guys define it as being so formative, which Mm -hmm. you kind of just hit on that. I really love that idea. I think you say in the book, like it's for creating, um, we learn the practices and rhythms of faith that shape our hearts, minds, desires, convictions, and whole selves. Mm -hmm. And I love that idea of like creating a rhythm in your life Mm -hmm. and that it's not just like saying these random words. It's actually for the purpose of formation, which I don't think I'd ever heard liturgy Mm -hmm. spoken of in that way before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How did you guys land there? Yeah. I think when I, like the original use of a liturgy wasn't necessarily a prayer. It was like the order of a church service. Yeah. And so, so I think that like the original usage was meant for formation. It was, Mm -hmm. it was meant to be something that was repeated and that was, would become rhythm and routine for a community for the purpose of their formation. Um, and for the, yeah, for the purpose of their, their souls and spirits being like crafted in a, in a certain way. And, um, our pastor, we go to this church, um, in New York, it's called church of the city, New York. And our pastor has, he says often there's no formation without repetition. Mm. Um, and so I think that that is a little bit of the purpose behind liturgy as well is these, not just words, but repeated words, um, to form your heart into the way that you want it to go. Um, so for example, there, that liturgy, there's a liturgy in, in the first book, um, for those battling fear. And so we in no way expect like, once you repeat this liturgy one time, you're going to have conquered fear. <laughs> like that's not yeah. going to happen, but hopefully over time, Done. like if you're saying a liturgy for those battling fear and, and you're saying it every day or multiple times a day, like in a month, maybe you'll find that your heart has been formed more towards courage or more t- mm-hmm. towards trusting God with that fear. Um, so that's kind of our, the way that we see liturgy playing out in terms of like formation. 
I love that idea. I think it hits on a lot of what I've been talking about on the podcast, sort of end of last year, beginning of this year, about this idea of forming habits in our lives. Like that's nothing new, yeah. but it's something that I like. I normally go for like the big picture and like the big goal and those sort of things. But I'm finding more and more as I get older, if I don't scale it back to those little daily practices that I'm doing yeah. over and over and over again, then I I can't ever get to that bigger goal and just how impactful things like we started a uh, challenge in my Patreon group back in November. And it was like, just have your sink be empty every night. It doesn't even matter if the dishes are done and you can like just pile your dirty dishes on the counter if you need to, but have the sink be empty. And that little thing has led to so like my house in general is now cleaner (laughs) because I started with that one teeny little daily practice. And I think on a spiritual level, that's like what liturgy is doing. Like you're saying, you repeat it day after day after day. And it's it's that repetition. I love what your pastor said, that that's what's going to do the changing. So is your church in New York a more liturgical style church? Is that what you have gone towards now? Not really, honestly. Okay. (laughs) I would say it's a nice blend. It's, it is primarily evangelical for like a modern day evangelical church. Um, But we do have, as a part of our church service, we have what's called the generosity liturgy. So we do say a liturgy together um, as a church to form our hearts towards generosity, but it's not liturgical in the way that like an Episcopal denomination is or Catholic. Um, but yeah, but there is a bent towards wonder and beauty in our congregation. Nice. So I would say like they're very amenable to poetic prayers. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And the, our whole, our church is the whole reason these books exist, honestly. Because yeah. um, the first book, Liturgies for Hope, we wrote during the pandemic, we actually had no intention of it being a book. So we had no intention of Liturgies for Wholeness following it. Yeah. Um, but during the pandemic, it was just such a scary time in, in New York. It was like yeah. dystopian. So yeah. Elizabeth and I wrote a few prayers just for our church. We called them liturgies and they were centered around fear and physical health, being far from your loved ones. And we just knew that our church loved when artists tried to use their gifts for the church mm. body. Mm. Um, and so we had a feeling that the church would maybe put them in the newsletter that maybe would be as far as it would go. Um, so we tossed them their way and yeah, the church really rallied around them. And I mean, there's a million more steps between then and now, but, um, it's now a book, which is crazy. That is, yeah. It's two books. Yeah. <laughs> two books. Yes. Two. Yeah. Two. Yeah. Exactly. True. And I love the whole idea behind this one, that you're looking at it from a wholeness perspective, like all the different parts Mm. of people. So you talk about heart, soul, mind, Mm -hmm. body, like all the different things. And Mm -hmm. I was so struck, like I kind of already mentioned, but as I was going through it, I was like, oh, how like random and quirky that there's a liturgy for when you're browsing a museum or you're washing your face or like Mm -hmm. there are so many Mm -hmm. interesting topics that you guys Mm -hmm. decided to write these liturgies on. And so how did like, what was that brainstorming like? How did you guys come up with these topics, pick these topics? How did this end up being the book? Yeah. Well, yeah. Great question. I think wholeness was, we had a few kind of like banner topics for book two that we were like, what would be good? Like, should we do for the home? Should we do for like this, that? Um, And then wholeness just felt right to both of us. And we also loved the idea, like you said, of like digging into specific topics that have to do with what makes up a whole person. So like Mm -hmm. the body, the soul, the heart, um, even like the the home community in the world. Um, But within those topics, we honestly, it was kind of a a mixture of Audrey and I writing the liturgies that we needed for ourselves, which was honestly a lot of liturgies for hope as well. The first book, we were like, what do we wish we had a prayer for? And we would make a list of those things. Um, But for the second book specifically, we did crowdsource a lot, which was great. Mm. So I, on Instagram, asked people like, what do you wish you had a liturgy for? Got so many responses. Um, and then at our book launch party for our first book, we had a little like booth table set up for people to write down topics for the second book. Oh, um, so we took in all of those ideas. Lots of them were repeated multiple times. Like a liturgy for seasonal depression is in litur- is in the second yeah. book. Um, that one came up a lot. Um, a lot of ones for the for the heart. So liturgy for a broken heart. Um, or a liturgy for this was I think someone re- requested 
a liturgy for waiting for a response after putting yourself out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, you know what? We, need, we do need to pray in those moments. Yeah. Like that's a scary time. Um, yeah, so it's, so it's such yeah. a risk. So yeah. So we, we kind of, we prayed over the list. We wrote the liturgies that we honestly needed ourselves. We, we crowdsourced <laughs> and got ideas from other people. And then, um, we also just thought of like, what do we feel like is a need? Um, for a lot of people, like what comes up a lot, even if it's something we've never experienced ourselves, like what could be helpful for someone else. So mm-hmm. Audrey wrote a liturgy for the loss of pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, and neither of us have ever been pregnant before, but we have friends who have and who have lost pregnancies. And so we just knew that that would be um, something that might be helpful to people. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I saw that one and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. it was there. There's mm-hmm. so Tender. many. So yeah. how did you divvy them up? Between, or did you both write them together or did you be like, I'm going to write the one on the museum and I'll take, the, you know, like, how did you do yes. that? Yeah, we did divvy them up 30 and 30. So the book okay. has 60 total. We split it right down the middle and we really gravitated toward the ones that we came up with or that we knew we needed um, in that, that time when we were writing. We wrote the book um, more than a year ago. It was due more than a year ago. So now I'm looking back at the topics that were important to me then. I'm like, oh, interesting. (laughs) I wish I had had this idea because I need this one now. (laughs) So I guess we have to do a third. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, But we each, so our writing process is we came up with the list. Um, Our editor also had some ideas. Our agent had some ideas too. Um, so once we compiled all of those and nailed down the final 60, we split them and Elizabeth and I wrote entirely on our own. So we went off and did our own writing process, um, which looks a little different for both of us. And then we set a date and we said, let's come together. We're going to spend the whole day where we'll swap and give each other feedback. Um, and luckily Elizabeth and I trust each other so much as writers. Like I trust Elizabeth as a writer and as an editor. And so Anytime she gave me feedback, I was like, yes, I'm implementing that. I'm changing this, adding this. And so it does make it feel more cohesive and collaborative because we did touch each other's liturgies mm-hmm. too. So yeah. I love that. And when you're in that safe space where criticism doesn't feel offensive yeah. because you both know you're working towards the same goal and you're wanting to create something beautiful and amazing. And that's so nice Absolutely. to be able to have yeah. that kind of yeah. a partnership. Absolutely. So yes. you mentioned how both of your writing styles and the way that you go about that are different. Mm-hmm. What does it look like for both of you? Yeah, our own unique writing process. Yeah. Um, I feel like my process is very chaotic. <laughs> like, Same. I wish it was like a beautiful linear process. Um, it really, I've noticed that it changes with, it changed with the liturgy. So there are some liturgies that were just honestly easy. Like I just would sit down and the words would come and I would feel like it was just, um, yeah, easy to, to get it down and, um, came just from the Lord or from who knows where. Um, and then there were some that were, (laughs) (laughs) that were more difficult to find the words for. Um, so my process for that would be just kind of like journaling, handwriting, just like putting down my raw thoughts in a very unpolished form. And that's generally my writing process is like getting out, you know, so much that I'm never going to use, but just putting clay on the wheel, like just getting something out there and then starting to shape it from there. So yeah, so my process was a lot of raw content thoughts, way more than I needed. Um, And then a lot of uh, prayer and silence and solitude as well, just to hear from the Lord and kind of like discern like what needs to be in here, what needs to not be in here. Um, even reading some scripture passages as well to see like, what does the Bible say about this? Um, what have people in scripture done with this or about this? Um, one of Audrey and I's favorite things to to pray during this was like, what is like asking God what he wants to say about this, but then also asking him, what does he wish we would say? to him in these times. Mm. Um, cause we know like God cares about our hearts and I feel like there's can be an expectation that like we have to have it all together before we pray about a thing. Um, or we like can't say this or we can't express this emotion to God or we can't, you know, be angry or be whatever. Um, and I found in my writing process in time of prayer, there was just a lot more that God wants us to bring to him than maybe I realized. So 
anyway, so yeah, writing process is um, chaotic journaling, praying, <laughs> <laughs> trying to like be still enough to hear some wisdom and discern um, what needs to go. And then just a lot of polishing and shaping and um, getting friends to read it and edit it um, until I feel like it, it sings. So. And when, when you talk about journaling, would you start that process by hand or is it like directly into the computer? Yeah, it depends. I um, often by hand. Yeah, I would say for most of these liturgies, it was by hand. That feels more personal to me. Mm-hmm. For, other, for other writing, if I'm writing an essay or a poem for a different thing, I usually just start with my computer. But because these are prayers, I really wanted them to start very personal and well, be very personal in general. So yeah, so for the liturgies, most of them did begin um, handwritten in my journal. Yeah, that's great. Okay, you guys, we all know that the best way to learn a language is immersion, right? That would be fabulous for us all to be able to go live in a Tuscan villa or, you know, hang out in the heart of Paris for a year or two. But if you're anything like me, that is not really possible. But don't worry, if you are wanting to learn a second language just like I am, you can still learn it the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Babbel is this science-backed language learning app that actually works. You don't have to pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. If you guys have been around here for any length of time, then you know I joke around, but I'm also kind of serious about the fact that when my kids are grown and gone, I am heading for Paris. I want to go live there for like six months, just soak it all in, but it's probably not going to go very well if I can't speak French. And that is one of the reasons that I am really loving Babbel. It is helping me to feel like, okay, I can get some skills under my belt. So hopefully even sooner than that, I can go and take a few trips to Paris and enjoy myself and be able to navigate around the city using the language. I love that they're giving me real-life conversation skills that I can use to order food or ask for directions or speak to merchants without having to consult a language app while I'm on vacation. It's going to be amazing someday. And I really love just being able to acquire all of this knowledge now and feel really confident about it. It's such an easy platform to use, and it's really making a big difference. I feel like I'm really learning a lot. Wee wee. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold plus all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. So here's a special limited-time deal for my listeners. Right now, you can get 50% off a one-time payment for a lifetime Babbel subscription, but only for my listeners at babbel.com slash livewell. Again, you can get 50% off at babbel.com slash livewell, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash livewell. Rules and restrictions may apply. Audrey, what about you? Yeah. Yeah. I would also characterize my process as chaotic um, (laughs) with no actual rhyme or reason. (laughs) Um, But I would say no matter what I'm writing, I usually always have to start with inspiration. So Mm. sometimes that looks like reading something poetic to get into the poetry mindset or listening to music I love or exploring new music if I need to be creatively stimulated or watching films by directors that always inspire me or have themes that I would like to touch on. So I feel like most of my writing process is actually filling my cup. Mm, And then what spills out is smaller than the inspiration itself, actually. Um, So I have to like input a lot of inspiration for just a little bit of output Um, which is something I want to continue doing in 2024 is like growing in that area, like filling up each day of my life with wonder, inspiration, beauty in whatever way I can. Even if it's just a conversation with a friend over coffee, sometimes that's enough to inspire me and just a poem will spill out afterwards. Um, And sometimes it looks like going on a walk by myself to spend time praying or just while I'm walking, it kind of loosens up the thoughts or the writer's block or whatever it may be. Um, But because of that, it kind of makes my writing time not like I write every day at 8am. Like I'm never going to be that girl, I don't think. 
Um, and I'm starting to become okay with that because, you know, you read a lot of writers, you know, the top Pulitzer Prize winners who say they write all day, every day. They, you know, whether or not they feel inspired, they're at their computer or at their desk, at their journal. And I do love that. And I think there's something to be said about discipline, but I also have a day job. (laughs) And so writing has to like happen just when it can happen. Um, So since I'm not a full-time writer, I've had to figure out when to like, when to use that margin and and how to use it well. Um, Yeah. And then I also feel like what I'm writing, I want to share as I'm going. So there was an idea for a liturgy called a liturgy for before a performance. And it's kind Mm -hmm. of centered around performance anxiety. And the idea came from my younger brother, who's a baseball player. And he was sharing some of his thoughts around like when he shows up every night and goes out to the mound to pitch, like here's what's going through my head. And so I was like, that's fantastic because it applies to not just a baseball player, but to someone giving a presentation at work or someone who's about to show up for a hard conversation or something like that. Um, And so I sent some of the snippets to my brother and I was like, what do you think of this? Am I vibing? Like, is the vibe totally (laughs) off or like, does this resonate? And so um, that was good. Like picturing the reader. So I was picturing my brother when I was writing that and then having a specific person in mind then allowed me to share some snippets with that person and see if it resonated with their experience, which was nice. I love that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It makes it so much more like you're saying, if you're not writing it for yourself to be writing it for somebody else, it just takes it to a different place. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that that brings you outside of yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that idea of the inspiration and the creativity, like I couldn't agree more with. And I think it's something in our culture that a lot of times we kind of like push to the side, like it's not being productive enough. I know I've done that myself. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I've been trying to press into in 2024 is like, no, I actually do all my other work better when I allow that space for creativity and inspiration and the pouring in of those things. Like I'm more efficient in my other work. I'm more creative when I allow myself to be in touch with, like you're saying, the wonder, the beauty, the outpouring of creativity, like that, there is something to that. And that's really important. So I love that that is such a vital part of your writing experience. I think that's really great. Yeah. Yeah. And, and having those people that you can float those ideas past too is so great that it's not just the two of you, but you have like a community of people who are helping you with that. So Mm -hmm. for each of these liturgies, on average, how long do you think it would take you each respectively to write Mm -hmm. one and like go through that process with one? Yeah, length of time. Um, I would say average would be like four hours okay. um, over the course she of knows. not not all at once. Um, but <laughs> yeah, like a, a few like 30 minute sessions of journaling um, and then like maybe like three different hour long like drafting, polishing. Sessions. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if that sounds like a lot or not too, not enough. Audrey, I'm curious. <laughs> but- <laughs> yeah, I'm mine, curious. The other was perspective. so sporadic. Yeah. I feel like for me, it depended on the topic fully or where I was that day. So if I sat down with a certain one, like I'm trying to think of one, I think a liturgy for washing your face was one I wrote in 25 minutes because I was ready. I had just washed my face and I was like, here are the things I thought about. (laughs) Um, And then there is others that took like two weeks. So Um, a liturgy, I wrote a liturgy for right before a panic attack, which I had deep familiarity with from a really hard year a few years ago. And because it was too intimate and personal, it almost made it more difficult to write. So I would sit down and I would get a sentence out and that could, that was all I could do for that day. And so it took so long to finish that one. Um, probably longer than two weeks. It probably took the whole six months (laughs) that we were writing to do that one. Um, yeah, but I just have no formulas. I so wish I was that writer who did, mm-hmm. but I have no tidy answers for the process. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I guess that here's another formula question, but I'm just curious. So like, <laughs> as you were doing this, and maybe it's different for, for both of you, I know you kind of just said that this one liturgy probably took you like the whole six months, but would you find that you would focus in on just one at a, t- at a time or was mm. there kind of like an overlap in what you were doing or how mm-hmm. did that look mm-hmm. for you? That's a really good question. 
Yeah. I feel like I was working on multiple at once. Mm -hmm. Um, And each one had its own document on my computer. And sometimes I would think of a phrase um, for one of the liturgies and I would put it in the corresponding document. So like, I think this one goes with a liturgy for grocery shopping. (laughs) And then sometimes I would actually be like, wait, no, this one goes better with a liturgy for napping or, you know, something Mm -hmm. like that, or a liturgy for falling in love. Like there were just different, um, it it was nice to know what topics I was working with before we started, um, because there were some ideas I had that just didn't feel like they fit in the liturgy I would be working on. And then I would, I would try to like play almost like a puzzle with it and see Mm -hmm. where it actually belonged, where its actual home was. Um, and I think that was because I was working on multiple at once. Um, but usually just to like give myself a sense of accomplishment, I would try to finish one, just like stick with one and finish it. So it yeah. felt like something I could check off. Um, so yeah. What about you, Elizabeth? Yeah. Yeah. I also found myself working on multiple at a time or kind of having multiple tabs open at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but when I, yeah. So when I would sit down to write, I would be like, I guess kind of pray and be like, which one do I feel like I can work on today? Like which one feels most like, what do I feel most ready to write about? So I would try to kind of gauge that. And then, and then once I kind of had that sense, I would, I would try to work on just one at a time, but also I, I wasn't working. Like I have to write this and finish it before I can move on to the next one. It was like, I was kind of in process of writing like maybe like five or six at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of finishing them at random intervals so yeah yeah I I love that that it because you would I think it would be hard to just be stuck in one and feeling like oh you don't you don't necessarily Mm -hmm. have the inspiration for that day or you know to be able to kind of bounce back and forth and I think that's sort of more the creative spirit and a little bit of that chaos like you're saying you've got to have a lot of different tabs open Mm -hmm. at the same time Mm -hmm. I am curious how you guys ended up on the order of these because I did mm. like have to laugh when I get to the first one and it's like a liturgy for those who think they're always right. And I was like, yeah. wow, we're coming out hot. Like, coming this out hot. Oh my God. Really, so like, savage. Yeah. in there. I was like, wait a minute. Is this like one you're praying for other people who you think they are, exactly. they always think they're right? Or is this like you got to get humble That's and talk hilarious. about yourself? Maybe both. Yeah, let me just, <laughs> yeah, maybe both. That is a that is a pretty aggressive one to start on. I will yeah. say. Um, I don't know why we necessarily chose that one. I feel like we were pretty intentional about the order of the sections. We were like, we want to start yeah. with the mind. We want to start with the senses, maybe the body, that kind of thing. Um, I don't know. I know that I wanted <laughs> like a liturgy for those uh, who think they're always right, and a liturgy for those who think they're always wrong to go yeah. like next to each other, just because I feel like. We fall into probably both camps, at, yeah. Depending on the time, but like someone identifies with like either one or both. Um, yeah, great. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Audrey, do you remember? Or any, any, yeah. Any All I know is we wanted, we just wanted the first um, five sections, I guess, to be the ones focused on the individual person. So the mind, the senses, the body, the heart, the soul. Mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, we as individuals have our own journeys from brokenness to wholeness, and we could be anywhere on that line, anywhere on that spectrum. Um, but then we also know that wholeness matters in communities and neighborhoods and where we live and how we are meant to be a part of a collective world. And so we wanted to address wholeness in that way. So then we have for the home community in world. Um, so we wanted to start with the individual person and address those things that just, you know, address your day-to-day struggles or maybe something bigger or smaller, um, and then move into the world we live in. I love that. I love it. And I love how you guys say like, this is, this is a book to live on your nightstand or in your purse or in your car or like anywhere. It's supposed to be something that you just kind of come back to again and again. I love that you guys incorporated scripture into it so that it's very well founded in scripture. And like you talk about how it came out of that. I just, I think you guys did a really both fun and beautiful job 
with this thank book. You. Oh, so, thank you. So fun. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Mackenzie. So in all that talk, and we've talked a lot about process, but I would love to know what a typical day looks like for each of you, especially in New York City. <laughs> oh, wow. <clears throat> what is a typical day? I know. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> um, okay. I'll, tr- I'll try to, to do a typical day. So I... Um, Oh my gosh. Now I'm like, how granular should I get? I don't know. Um, (laughs) What do you eat for breakfast? Here's what I eat. Here's what I wake up. What time do you wake up? (laughs) Typical day is I wake up and I That's a good first step. Yes. Yes. And I do, just speaking of like when Audrey was talking about filling up with inspiration, I feel like that's something that we both try to do. So I do like first thing in the morning um, with my coffee, I try to spend time with God in prayer and in scripture and with something beautiful. So whether that's a poem, a book, literally staring out my window at something beautiful, like I just, I want to encounter beauty first thing in the morning. Um, So there's that. And then I'll, you know, be active in the morning. Maybe I'll go for a run, go to the gym, something like that. And then I go into the office twice a week and then I work from home three days a week. So depending on the day, I will either commute into the office or I will take five steps to my desk (laughs) in my room. and I will work my day job, which I mentioned earlier is at AdAge, which is a news outlet for the advertising industry. But my specific role is to book speakers for their conferences. So I am just emailing, doing like PR um, and conference booking all day. And then, yeah, in the afternoons, I am either just home reading, <laughs> being like a little homebody girly, um, hanging out <laughs> with my roommates or um, because it is New York. More often than not, I'm out with friends out on the town, like doing all the things, <laughs> staying out far too late. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I love to go to cocktail bars with friends, just get a drink and chat. Um, Audrey and I are really involved in like various other writers groups and church groups. And so we'll have meetings for those things. We'll have events. We're going, we're often like at poetry readings, either just attending or like we're doing the readings ourselves. Um, yeah, I feel like that's, pretty typical. I love it. That's a beautiful life, Elizabeth Moore. (laughs) Yes. Beautiful life. And what about you, Audrey? Yeah. So I am not an early riser, but man, I wish I was. Um, (laughs) But I do work remotely, so it's okay. I'm not trying to get on a subway at any certain time. Nice. But yeah, my job, my day job is fully remote. And so to mix it up, I usually start the day by walking to get a fun coffee. I'm an iced coffee girly. So it could be freezing in January and I got got my cup with ice. Your fingers um, are like I'll numb. Settle, on yeah, the- I'm like frostbitten and shaking. <laughs> gotta do Clinging it. To your eyes. Yeah. I'm addicted. <laughs> do it for the addiction. Yeah. Um, so I'll bring that back home. And my sweet spot hours are like 1030 to noon. I feel like the coffee is kicked in. Something about that time is really inspiring to me. Um, Usually before I dive into work, I also will try to consume something beautiful, either scripture or poetry. Um, I just got Mary Oliver's book, Devotions, which you can literally read it like a devotional, one poem a day, and it just fills my cup. Um, and then because I work remotely, a great perk is at lunch, I can go out for a run and central park. I live right by central park. Oh, nice. So, um, there's some days when, yeah, I'm like, I'm just going to go there and take a little break. Um, and then after the work day, I love exploring the city. That's just, it's especially on foot. I love walking to meet a friend for dinner or now that I'm married, I'm settling into a new rhythm with my husband. Um, and we'll like also go explore together and then pick up ingredients and make a fun dinner. Um, yeah. Or I'll call my mom in Texas <laughs> to catch up or a friend. Um, and like Elizabeth said, we have a friend group that's also a writer's group. And so um, we're planning an event right now, which is fun. So we're kind of ramping up toward that. So we had a meeting on Monday night. Um yeah, so like a typical day, I usually try to see at least one friend, my husband, and drink some coffee. <laughs> that sounds what a day. Yeah. It's solid. And get the work <laughs> some done. Some good, fun, iced coffee, no matter the temperature. I love no it. No matter the temp. 
And you might have already kind of addressed this, but what is some way that both of you just add a little bit more loveliness to your life, live well anyway in the midst of life's chaos? Mm. Yeah, I first thing that comes to mind is like taking time to read poetry or read something beautiful and to be still enough to like let it sink in, if that makes sense. Like I'm mm-hmm. not just like reaching, I'm like trying to like, slam down a poem and then like move on with my day. Like I really want to like be still and like like let my heart rate come down and like be really mindful of just like the space that I'm in and the words that I'm reading and um and often what I'm doing more often now is literally just sitting and doing nothing like before this podcast I had like a little bit of a half hour window and the sun was just coming through my window so perfectly and I just like kind of curled up in my chair and just sat there for like 30 minutes and kind of like dozed off kind of just like didn't do anything and that was so nice like I really loved doing that it gave my brain a break and my eyes a break and so um yeah to live well I'm just like finding pockets of time to like actually be still and not only rest my body but to rest my mind and and then to refill my mind and myself yeah Kind of enter cat mode. Yeah. Like, oh, there's Absolutely. <laughs> I was such a cat today. Her yes. love in that beam. The most yes. cat woman. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> what a- Oh, so good. Yeah. So I am trying to live well in 2024 by being more open to interruptions in mm. my day. So more spontaneity. Um, because there was a long stretch when I was really dedicated to schedule and routine and it became very rigid and I would almost freak out if my schedule got thrown off. Um, and I just want to be more open to being interrupted. So if a friend texts me now, like right in the moment, like, do you want to go on a walk or do you want to meet up for a drink real quick at this cocktail bar? I want to say yes more often. Or if someone calls me, I don't want to let it go to voicemail anymore. You know, like I want to, um, embrace that because I think there's so much joy that could be missed or inspiration or just connection that could be missed Mm -hmm. when we don't, um, take those moments of interruption and, um, unplanned, whatever it may be. So, that's what I'm going to try to do to yeah. well. Yeah, I commend you for that. I think it's a really good <laughs> be, skill to I'm saying it yeah. now. Maybe, but it'd be a really maybe good one month skill from now. To, I'll be like, I'm not doing that to master before you decide to have kids. That <laughs> it's just constant. Wow. Like, oh, hey, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, this was going to be the first week that my kids were fully back to school since before Christmas break. They've had like all these random days off. And then my daughter got the stomach flu. (laughs) Never mind. Oh, oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. (laughs) So we're still waiting for normal, but I don't know that there is such a thing. So I am True. curious. This True. isn't a question I normally ask. Well, sometimes I do. But Ooh. do you guys know what your Enneagram numbers are? Yes, ma'am. Yes. Okay. We're both threes. <laughs> you are? <laughs> I was wondering. Yeah, I am are. too. I'm a three too. So <laughs> oh, amazing. do I wow. see some wing we fours though? <laughs> yes. Yes. I was like, yes, yes girl. <laughs> you guys are like two <laughs> in your field. Hard wing fours. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Very hard waiting for. Yeah. Yes. I knew I liked you guys. All right. That's so fun. (laughs) Fun. Okay. Are you ready for my stock questions? So excited. Yes. All right. This is just like, we'll do rapid fire, but they're fun. Okay. So candles or essential oil diffuser? Candles. Candles. All right. Cloth napkins or paper? Cloth. I'm the worst. (laughs) Paper. This is just like actually what I use. Own it. Yeah. Go for it. All right. Own it, girl. Mm -hmm. This one's probably pretty obvious, but city or country? City. City. Paper or digital? Paper. Honestly, digital. Okay. All right. Shopping. Would you rather do it online or in the store? Online. Online. Okay. It's whatever time you're making dinner and you need a mental break. Do you listen to a podcast or music? Music. music. And what would be the music you would turn to? Either like jazz or like East London hip hop. All right. It's <laughs> so weird. But those are my two lands that. and I just am going to own yeah. both of them. Own it all. Love. Yeah. Love. 
My answer is either um, my favorite band, Bombay Bicycle Club, or Taylor Swift. All right. right. (laughs) Two very different in terms of have you heard of them before? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, what was that first one? Oh, okay, no. She's not with Taylor, too. Okay, chocolate, milk, or dark? Dark. Milk. Okay. Sports or no sports? Sports. Sports. Okay. Yes. (laughs) Live broadcasting, would you rather broadcast or watch? Like stories or reels or anything like that. Wait, what's the difference between broadcast? You mean like watch in person? Would you rather like... watch someone else or would you like to produce the content yourself? Oh, I would like to watch mm-hmm. it. Yeah, watch. Okay. What is your favorite movie? Oh, the Parent so Trap with Lindsay. Oh, okay, Lohan. I was like, you got to delineate <laughs> which one. Yes. It's oh. it matters the 1999 or yeah. whatever. Okay, that one. I for think, sure. Yeah. Lindsay Lohan. Yeah. This is such a I hard know. question. My heart is, is telling me 2005 Pride and Prejudice with Keira Knightley. Okay, mm. you know that has Go been a very common answer. That might be I the most common answer that I've had. So, and I, but I also it is like if you're a millennial woman, that looks like a core piece of <laughs> yes. media that you probably yeah. consumed a million times. Matthew's hand. No, no, that's the one with Matthew or Colin Firth. Matthew. Matthew. Yeah. Matthew. Okay, Matthew his hand flex. squeeze thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The hand flex was like literally like marked all of our childhoods. <laughs> Your awakening. It was an awakening. Our adolescence yeah. was marked by his hand flex. Uh, I, I came of age when I saw that. <laughs> And on the other side of the spectrum, Lindsay Lohan's Parent Trap. Yes. Yes. Um, I love it. Which was also wholesome so in a different yes. way. Wholesome in yeah. a different yeah, exactly. Very wholesome. I wasn't even going to try to like list an artsy no. movie because I just, the heart knows what the heart knows. I, I totally agree. Yeah. Mine's The Holiday. It doesn't matter what time of uh, year. Yes. Like, I, I don't even care. Yes. I've heard people do all the backstory and all the ripping apart and all the, oh, they don't have chemistry. And I'm like, I, I don't care. I don't agree with you. I love it no matter yeah. what. Yeah. It feels good. Yes. Yes. It is yeah. so good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Kate Winslet, Jack Black. I'm right? obsessed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was like, for years, I was like, Cameron Diaz and Jude Law, of course. And then this year, I was like, wait a minute. I'm obsessed yeah. with yeah. Kate Winslet and Jack Black's yes, friendship and their banter yes. and like all of that. I'm like, yes. oh my gosh. What? Yes. This is this is the love story. You hit that I mean, age are, like, and yeah. you're like, oh wait yes. a minute. I don't want wait that. I want that no. other love story. Yes. yes. Yeah. I want oh, to giggle with gosh. someone in a movie store. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All the things. <laughs> so yep. good. Okay. And final question. <clears throat> if you were to put yourself on the crunchiness spectrum, where zero is totally not crunchy and 10 is like singing Kumbaya by the fire with your legs unshaven and dreadlocks <laughs> in your hair, where are you on oh, the well. spectrum? Mm. Crunchy spectrum. I'm a three. Okay. <laughs> She's a clean girly. Came to mind. <laughs> I would say three being like you're closer to clean girl, not crunchy girl, right? Three yes. is like. Yes. Yeah, that's okay. I would yeah. say. Well, yeah. Yeah. And then I think. I, yeah. So 10, 10 is ultimate crunch. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> then I'll probably. Crunchy peanut butter. Like, I'll probably place myself like a four. Like not too far off. Like maybe a notch more crunchy, but like not really. All right. We're such yeah. city girls. Yeah. We're, yeah. You are. I'm like <laughs> not even not trying try. to be. I love it though. <laughs> that's so fun. Well, thank you guys mm-hmm. for coming on today. This was a blast to get to talk to you. And I can't wait for people to get their hands on your book. Thank you. Oh, thank yeah. you so much for having us. And you'll have to come so on fun. for book three. We yeah. will. We'll oh, be back. Yeah. You're saying yep. it. <laughs> All right. Let's do it. Thank you. All right, that is it for today's episode. As always, you can just swipe up in whatever app you are listening to the show on in order to access the show notes for that episode. You can also find all the episode show notes by heading over to mackenziecoppa.com slash podcast. 
I've got all of our episodes there, all the nitty gritty little things that you might be looking for, all the different links. But also, just a little plug and reminder, if you are ever doing your shopping on Amazon, you can go to Amazon through MackenzieCoppa.com slash Amazon, and that automatically will send you to a page that gives you a bunch of ideas of things that I use and love and have really enjoyed over the years, along with it allowing you to support the show really easily. You don't have to do anything fancy or special beyond just going to Amazon through MackenzieCoppa.com slash Amazon, and it pushes a little bit of credit back our way without costing you a penny more and just helps to support things around here, and I really appreciate when you do that or when you support any of our sponsors or affiliates. It makes a way bigger difference than you probably realize by just utilizing those links and codes. So thank you so much to those of you who do that. I think that's all for now, ladies. So until next week, go be bold and gracious. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.